and I think that um, if you can think about what is it that people enjoy and it's like any entrepreneurial endeavor right like you find a need and you fill it well part of a need is people just having a great time or being proud of their kids or spending time with their family so how can you take whatever you're doing and put it there so like welcome to the freedom chasers podcast where we bring you interviews and discussions that share the stories successes goals and dreams of real estate agents and real estate investors pursuing a life of purpose and freedom all right, guys, today we have Jen Hubble on the show, and I'm crazy excited to interview her because she has done so much production. She's an investor. She's built businesses. She's got all these cool things, and at heart, she's a teacher. She got her degree in Spanish, my degree's in math, and we both can relate on the teaching thing, getting there, getting the offer. Her first offer was $13,000 for teaching, a little lower than my first offer of $25,000, but Jen, thank you so much for coming on the show, and if you will take us into, you were doing 100 units a year production before you finally bought your first investment. Take us through that journey of, of how you got started in investing. Yeah, so um, kind of funny story. I'm on the wheel, running as fast as I can every single day, killing it, uh, according to everyone else, and, um, and doing great things, honestly, with my real estate business. We're building a uh, single model agent that, uh, structure, single agent model structure that is doing great. And I mean, I have taught many people to do it since. Um, the profitability is awesome. There's lots of good things happening. And my friend Stephen came into my office one day and he is a big guy. And he says, Jen Hubble, you're one of the top agents in the United States and you don't own any investment properties. What is your problem? And uh, I was like, oh, well, Stephen, I just started reading the MREI uh, so I'm going to go, I'm going to buy an investment property this year. And he was like, um, and just backing up a little, January 1st, 2020, I did. I said, I've never read the MREI. I've read the MREA many times. And uh, for those who don't know what that is, that's a millionaire real estate investor. It's a blue book by Gary Keller. And, um, and I, uh, you know, I ought to be honest, I asked God to help me understand investing, even though it's not a faith-based book. It's very practical, extremely practical. But I took the time I would for my normal uh, meditation or quiet time in the morning, read that book, and then would pray, what do I need to learn today? So just being very open and honest with who I am. And so then Stephen had come in, he was like, why don't you own a property? And um, he said, I'm going to pray that you buy a property today. And I was like, today. And he said, yeah, you're going to find a property today and you're going to buy it. And I was like, okay, have fun with that. That's probably not going to happen. Right. But what happened in that moment, it was like something in my brain turned and clicked because all of a sudden I thought, well, What's stopping me? Hmm. And I think that's the biggest thing that anybody who's a realtor, anybody who's been thinking about real estate investment for a long time, there's a fear that is like, well, I'm not ready. I'm not ready. You're just continually getting ready to get ready. And I thought, what is stopping me? 
what if I found a house today? And suddenly my mindset, my mindset changed completely. And um, that night, it was probably 7.30 at night, I had a seller under contract. The buyer's agent called me. They said, uh, we're so sorry, we're going to have to terminate because the buyer's buyer walked. And I was like, oh, well, and I, of course, have a lot of clients. So I'm immediately pulling up my pipeline like, well, let me just stick one of my buyers in there and we'll make it all work. And then I said, what's the address? She gave it to me. I pulled it up and in my heart instantly, I knew that was my house. And I was like, I'm supposed to buy that house. And so my husband's watching a ball game and I say, hey, honey, do you want to buy a house tonight? Absolutely not. Awesome. Okay, this is going to be fun. And I said, well, you just go look at, at it with me. Long story short, we bought that house uh, for the buyers who backed out, came back, and they offered more than they originally asked. We ended up getting it for $10,000 less than they had offered because the, the listing agent knew that I would get to the closing table for sure. Yeah. And so that was our first property. Our mortgage is six ninety a month, and our rent is fifteen hundred a month. Whoa! So we have, yeah. So it's a great passive property, um, and it's been an amazing. That one has just been amazing. But, but sometimes you just have to say, why not now? What would stop me from buying a property right now? And I think there's a lot of agents. We most of us agents, if we have not moved in the last three years, we have plenty of equity in our home. Yeah. So let that money sit there and you go, oh, well, you know, I'm going to have to pay on that home equity line or whatever. Or, you know, we make so many excuses why it can't work for us, but truly it can. Yeah. And so you had limiting beliefs, like a lot of agents, oh, it's too hard or it's yeah. too this or whatnot. But then like you had this like supernatural experience, let's say, right. I mean, obviously you're a person yeah. of faith and the person, uh, well, you said Stephen was his name. Um, I don't know yes. if he's a person of faith or if he was just saying that because you're a person of faith, but like describe like how did that actually help you overcome the limiting beliefs? Did it just the limiting beliefs were now no longer in your mind or did it feel that that prayer satisfied those limiting beliefs? Well, I mean, uh, naturally I'm pretty competitive and I don't like it when people challenge me because I'll, <laughs> I'll go. <laughs> so I didn't like, the first thing I didn't like was he owned seven homes at the time and, but he didn't do much real estate. Like he may have sold like just in general real estate, sold seven a year, seven, 10 maybe. Um, and so I was annoyed because I knew he was making more passive income a month than I was, even though I was making a lot more earned income a month, if that makes sense. And um, and so I was like, the first natural response was like, I'm going to do it just so I can say I did it. And then, but that when you're talking, there was actually a turn in my heart. And I think that we talk about set a lot, but it's really heart set because until your heart believes what your mind's saying, you won't go there, right? You you can start by speaking it over and over and over, but your your mind is going to finally get through to your heart. And it was like my heart knew there was not there there was nothing stopping me from doing it. I had enough money in the bank, and the only thing that was stopping me was fear. And so when you can understand and recognize fear, it makes it a lot easier because you can just say, oh, well, that's stupid. Yeah. So his appearance, big guy, obviously coming into your office, 
was it one where you're like, oh man, this guy really cares about me and I, I don't want to let down that care or is more like, like you said, competitive or is it more like, hey, I can't let this guy who sells, you know, 13 times less homes than me, one up me in their net worth? No, it was more, he's a dear friend and I knew because he's the guy, like you mentioned before the thing, that's always like, you need to spend more time with your family. You know, um, and I knew that he, he truly, genuinely wanted to see me living a better life with more freedom. And so the fact that he just was basically holding me accountable to do something that day was was the thing that kind of triggered me in a good way. Yeah, because in order to do it today, there's no time to process anything. And obviously you had the good None. fortune of having a property come up. But had that conversation not happened, you're probably not thinking of that property in that way when it comes up that evening. No, not at all. I, I would not have been thinking of it that way. I just would have tried to figure out how to get another buyer in there. Yeah. And, and, and so since that, now that the monkey's off your back, so to speak, mm -hmm. have you gone on to buy other investment properties? Yes, we own a condo in Nashville um, that we bought in the height of the market. That's another crazy story. How we got that, we got it off market and ended up getting it for less than appraised value in a market where people were paying 100000 over cash. Um, and so um, three of our kids live in Nashville. They're all artists. And um, so we make money on that because we rent it out to other students as well. And then... Um, we just recently bought a commercial building in downtown Anderson, South Carolina. Um, and so basically I'm like, if I do 10, a, I mean, 10 a year, that would be awesome. Maybe I'm speaking some new truth. Right. Um, one a year for 10 years, um, then that's going to put us easily in a position to be much more financially free. Yeah. Incredible. And I mean, it's such a measured strategy, which is great. I mean, I think that's one of the things too is, Maybe agents are feeling like, oh, I'm not going to do any investing because I can't go all out, right? I mean, if you could just save and buy mm -hmm. one property a year, and for most investors, 10 years, you're either at financial freedom or you're very, very close. Um, I definitely want mm -hmm. to dive into your business building acumen and the things that got you there. You obviously got your degree in Spanish and you, you took a job in the mall. And this is where you have your first experience with business building. Take us into that experience and then tell us how that translates to what you do today in real estate. Uh, yeah, so my dad was a pastor growing up. My mom was a stay-at-home mom. I had nobody modeling anything about business for me. and um, But I've always loved math. I had 100 average in high school in every single course, you know, when it came to math. And um, so I love the, the technical side of things. And I'm also extremely um, uh, competitive. And so I got into this situation running a mall store. And um, our very first year, we had a 57% increase year over year. And then we became the number one store in the whole chain. And I think it was a lot of, about being creative and saying, you got, okay, here's the models I already know are in the place because I love playing by the rules. And I like figuring out how you can stay in the rules, but do something different, which is kind of interesting personality. But um, uh for example, there was this one contest that was a certain brand of luggage. And if you could sell so many pieces, you know, you would be the top store. 
And um, so I was like, what could we get just tons of people in here for? People don't flock to luggage. Right. It's not like, oh, that's so sexy. We can't wait. You know, um, and these pieces were $500 a piece for a small piece 30 30 years ago, you know. And um, and so I we partnered with a local elementary school and we created this underwater theme. The, The elementary school drew this huge mural that we put in the shop window. And then we had all the pieces of luggage hanging down like fish, like with fishing poles and all this stuff. And um, we uh, quadrupled the second highest store in sales because guess what? All the parents from that school came to the mall to see their kids' drawings. They The news did a, a thing on it. And I always think like, you might as well ask. I think that's something really big that I've learned in business over the years is like, what's the worst thing that could happen? Somebody says no. Call somebody and ask them they want to do a story on something you're doing. And so I just got got to be good friends with the news anchor up there. Uh, like the and he would come do stories on me all the time. And I would just like make up something. Oh, this is something we need to do a story on. And I think that um if you can think about what is it that people enjoy? And it's like any entrepreneurial endeavor, right? Like you find a need and you fill it. Well, part of a need is people just having a great time or being proud of their kids or spending time with their family. So how can you take whatever you're doing and put it there? Um, One of the things that we did with um, our client event for our real estate group here is, you have to use what you have, right? And I don't, I don't like spending a lot of money. I like high profitability. And, uh, but my son is a recording artist and people are like, oh, we love listening to your son's music. I listened to him on Spotify. And one time my son said, well, why don't you just bring me in? And I was like, that's an amazing idea. And so we actually, our big line event, we have a sound stage. My um, mom and dad play their recording artists. My uh, son plays and my brother's band play. And they come from three different cities in the country. We bring them in, we do the food trucks and, you know, fold out chairs, the whole deal. And it's just turned into something that people look forward to. They get their t-shirt with a big guitar on the front. Um, and I think when you can just add, I, I'm a real models person, but you have to be able to figure out what makes me different because there's, 6,000 agents in my board alone, you know, and how am I going to be in the top percent? Why would someone choose me over anyone else? Everyone who listens to our show knows Tim and I are passionate about obtaining financial freedom through real estate investing. We also know that everyone's situations and goals are different. And while there are programs out there that show you a path to financial freedom, many of these programs are just too cookie cutter and don't take your personality, situation, and desired outcome into account. Think about the number of times that you've watched a guru online and tried to do the exact same thing as they did, but had nowhere near the same results. You are not alone. When I got started, I was continually paying for courses and getting only partial results until I discovered the path that made sense for me. The results prove this out. Most online course creators have let us in on their dirty secrets that 90 to 95% of their students never complete their course and achieve their desired outcome. This is not something that we're okay with. The benefit of working with Tim and I is that we are interviewing between 5 and 20 people every single week. We have accumulated hundreds of seven-figure strategies and gotten inside scoop from these successful entrepreneurs. 
We're able to work with you to pick the strategy that will best fit and then help you create the custom plan to take you quickly into financial freedom. As a former math teacher, I always taught my students that the fastest way between two points is a straight line. If you want to get rid of the many curves in the road that can make the journey longer and more costly, then go to coaching.freedomchaserspodcast.com and book a call with us. And let's get you on a straight line path to freedom. Um, So you have a knack for getting on in the news, getting on television or at least in articles for real estate agents specifically, what do you think are maybe top three or five ways to get themselves, you know, in the limelight? <laughs> do your job really, really well and tell the story well. So that's one of the biggest things that we're missing. We don't tell the story. We can do great. We can give our clients incredible service. We can have wonderful systems. But if we're not telling the story, whether we're telling it on social media or we're calling people and asking them to tell the story, do you know how many people out there in the media world, they're like, oh my gosh, I got to turn in this article by such and such date. I have no idea what I'm going to write about. They need something that's going to create a buzz. So um, my friend Ray Lopez in Orlando, he was just on the local news there because we were talking he was talking about the mortgage shift and the new things that are happening and how, you know, um, more qualified buyers are actually going to get a higher interest rate. And he, they just called him because he's made himself the knowledgeable one in his community. And um, I'm reading a really awesome book right now by a guy named Quint Studer. And it's about how to bring community change. And one of the things is you have to know how to tell the story. So if you can know how to tell the story that people want to hear, and that's the truth, of course, and that brings hope and life to your city, it's going to change everything. So a lot of agents I see when they're posting online, it's just look at my sold. I sold it in three days. I sold it for a million dollars, et cetera. I'm assuming that's not the story you're talking about. Yes. Um, I think that that is a story that lots of agents are telling who are successful and they're saying, look how great I am. And I mean, I personally put one the other day and it was like, Hey, we're selling cause I we're selling homes three times faster than anybody else than our competitors. That stuff is super important. But I think that if you can connect with the heart of people and bring something fun or bring something that's uh, fascinating, like I do a lot of social media posts that are just kind of crazy and weird. Like, I got in a pool that was full of like broken sticks and slime and everything else. And, you know, we took a picture of that and put it on social media. You get way more views with something than that than just like just sold. Everyone knows you're a realtor. So when you're jumping in a pool of sticks and slime, like how much, (laughs) how much thought process goes into like, what's the story here? Is it just, you see it, you jump in, Hey, we'll post it, see what happens. Or like how much, doing should happen? How much thought process should happen? So um, I think that you can take anything like that, any of those fun things that I do, and you turn it into the value that you provide. Because then you could say, hey, look at this crazy pool I'm in. By the way, did you know that it's really important to get a pool inspection every time? Because I had someone not get a pool inspection one time, Um, and it ended up the whole pool liner was broken. I mean, there's just so many things that you can do that actually create value for the person on top of the fact that you're just providing them some great entertainment. Love it. So essentially you're looking, where's the entertainment opportunities? 
you, you, those are kind of the priority. And then it's like, okay, how do I tie this back to a specific element of the transaction or the process? Yeah. And I think for me, um, one of our core values is being genuine and we spell it with a J of course, you know, right. Nice. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but I, especially in the luxury world, because I've been doing quite a bit of luxury lately to me, it's really important for people to know that I'm real. And um, I think every level of client appreciates that. And they know that um, that you can enjoy life and not everything is uh, facts and figures. And I mean, that's just the way I operate, but people more can identify with you when you care about them and you're asking questions about them. That's the best way to create any conversation, right? Um, because that shows that you actually care. Yeah. And so when we talk about stories and caring, a lot, oftentimes it's the heartfelt stories. Like, do you have like, you love math, a formula for like, I want a certain percentage of my stories to be just pure humor. Like how many need to be like truly heartfelt, you know, like life-saving type stories. Like how do you like think about your total content creation strategy? I honestly don't think a lot about content creation strategy. I wish I could tell you, here's the formula you want to have. You know, I used to work for Chick-fil-A years ago and um, I was marketing director for them. And there was a formula for how we did our social media posts. You know, so many informational, so many are interactive. This is the type of the amount of engagements that we want to have. And I think that a lot that I do is organic. And also I, I tell stories um, about really cool wins as well, because um, it, people like to hear that you win, of course, because why would they hire you if you can't win? But also it creates hope. Like um, I had a buyer who was going through a horrible divorce. She um, had to have all of her books done in one night for her small design business, or else we were gonna just, we were just gonna have lots of problems with the closing date and all of this stuff. So she called me at eight o'clock at night on a Wednesday night and she was like, I don't know what to do. I don't know anything about QuickBooks. My husband used to do all of this stuff for me. And I said, well, I do have someone who can do those books for you. I don't know if they'll answer the phone at nine o'clock at night, the night before they're due, but, let me see what I can do for you. So I text my QuickBooks friend and I say, hey, do you want to bail me out? Which goes back to being connected. You have to have great connections and build relationships so you can text someone at nine o'clock at night. <laughs> um, and she texted me back. She said, is this person a graphic designer? And I was like, what? Actually, yeah. And she said, perfect. I'll do all her books tonight. And I said, wait, what is happening? She said, my team and I met this morning and we decided that we needed a graphic designer for the next phase in our business. And so I knew that God was going to bring me a graphic designer today. And I'm happy to trade out for her and do all her books tonight in order for it to happen. Wow. So yeah. So, I mean, there's story after story. And if you tell these story, it provides hope, not not just for real estate or not just for the transaction, but for life itself, right? Well, and it's for the continuance of connections, right? I mean, and that's that's kind of what you're yeah. putting here is like the, the connections are what matters because obviously that's how you get clients. That's how you grow the business. That's how life is meaningful mm -hmm. and 
And so other than social media, like what is the, the main way that you build relationships and you build your businesses? Um, my, um, one of my main client sources, agent to agent referral. I have a great relationship with agents in other states. And um, my very first year in the business, 67% of my business was agent to agent referral. And that's because I had been in leadership with Keller Williams. So I knew a lot of people, um, but it built a, um, a relationship. I mean, and I have people who send me multiple referrals a year from different states. And I also have to remember, I'm kind of right on the border of two different states and I'm licensed in both. So that does help because I'm part of two offices. So I'm involved in one office in one state, love on those people, teach those people, help those people. And then they send me referrals for the other state and I do it vice versa. So that has been super helpful for me, but I also go teach in other offices and um, I make myself available to be uh, purposely be involved in other groups. Am I doing it for the sake of referral? Like, oh God, maybe if I like go to dinner with these people at a national event, they'll send me referrals. No, I don't think that. I go to dinner with them and I ask them about their business, about their family and about their life and what's important to them. And we mastermind and they send me their referrals because they know I'm trustworthy. Yeah. And that foundation is so important because you can like, like with commission breath, you can smell it when people need money and same thing. If you're just there for a quick exchange, people can sense it. What was that mm -hmm. always the case with you in business? Like you always came from a place of service or is that something that you had to learn as you, as you progressed? Oh man. If, if I said that I haven't had to learn anything, that would be crazy. But I, I definitely have learned people skills. I'm naturally, I would say, yes, you're born with a natural disposition. However, there's so much that you can learn to create self-mastery around even the people part. I remember uh, probably 10 years ago, I had a coach who asked me to record my calls. I was recruiting, I was a team leader. And um, so I recorded one and we were just talking about the whole idea of mirroring and matching. And I was nervous on the phone, so I was talking fast and the other person was talking really, really slow. And I listened back to that recording. I thought, man, I've got something to learn because I was not mirroring and matching them. And so um, the next time around, I called the next person, she talks really slow. And I'm like, oh my gosh, <laughs> this is torture. Right? And so I'm talking really slow. And she says to me, I just love the way you talk. And I'm thinking, it's all a lie. It's all a lie. I don't talk this slow. Um, anyway, long story short, she ended up joining our brokerage. She did join. She would probably never have taken that appointment with me had I just kind of gone fast and done what I normally do. So I had to learn how to adjust and not just be the person everybody loves and I'm, you know, that kind of thing to like taking into account that other person's personality. And it, it's a great story because probably three years later, I ended up leaving that brokerage and we moved to the Carolinas and she gave me a journal where she wrote on the inside about how much coming to our brokerage had changed her life forever, financially, um, personally, all of these things. And I thought, 
had I not chosen to do something that was uncomfortable for me and not according to my natural disposition, Terry would never have been at our office. And so all day long, we have to learn, you know what, I, I came back at that too quickly. Or, you know what, maybe um, I could change the way that I think about this so that I can respond really well next time. So yes, constant. So this is incredible, right? Because I mean, this goes into the heart of, you know, relationship building. It goes in the heart of sales in general, the mirroring yeah. and matching. I'm curious, yeah. it's hitting my brain. Like what happened when she showed up to your first team meeting, right? Like, so you have this wonderful connection <laughs> and you're slow talking and then she gets there and it's like, what? Um, <laughs> it's so funny because the first time, so I would obviously, I got the appointment, she came, I was very aware that I was going to have to be slower with her. Yeah. And so even with that, and, and I'm sure we all know, you know, neuro-linguistic program, I remember doing like embedded commands even slower, like join our brokerage, yeah. you know, clap, 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 all this stuff. Um, and, um, and then she just got to know me and I got to know her. And I kept thinking, is there going to be a point where she was like, wow, you're, you're like a lot different, but it was like, I was never fake as far as like my heart and who I am. I was just being honoring her disposition rather than putting myself first. Yeah. Well, and this is where it gets interesting as a team, right? Because you have all these different dispositions working at the same time. As you became more aware of the power of that, how did you manage a room? Did you just try and find the middle point or? <laughs> I mean, I've taken a lot of public speaking courses and I go back every single year to Dale Carnegie because, and it's the same content, just like people will go back to bold every year or any other kind of training because every time I come out a little bit better, a little bit more sandpaper has, you know, smoothed off those rough edges. I've learned to carry my body differently. I've learned to connect people eye to eye when I'm speaking with them in a crowd. I've learned to figure out who in the crowd is a personality like me and that they're going to want me to call on them or make them feel important in front of someone else. Or who's a person in a crowd that would absolutely die if I called on them? You know, but how can I integrate them into the conversation where they feel important? So it, it's all about learning to read people and getting good at it. Because the reason that we get good at this is not just to have our sales be higher. It's so that we can impact lives. And you cannot impact a life if you don't understand who, who's on the other side. 100%. It's like not knowing your market. 100%. Imagine you wanted to start a business and you didn't did no market study ahead of time. Yeah. It, it's not helpful. Yeah. Well, what a powerful way to, to wrap it. Jen, like what is your vision for the next 12 to 18 months? Um, so recently we have ventured into the commercial side of things personally, just bought a commercial building and, um, years ago I had somebody question my big why, because I said, I would love to build out an entire community and figure out how to make a struggling town or city thrive. What mm. does that take? 
And so I've been studying it and it's been super exciting. And there are certain ingredients that need to happen for a city to actually become a thriving city. Um, and so that is my focus for the next five years really is to create such leverage on my real estate team that I am pouring into um, this certain city that we've identified and finding out what makes it tick and what's important to it. And so um, my husband and I were partners with another couple and I'm crazy enough to believe that we could own and operate 33,000 square foot in the next 10 years. That seems to me really big to some people it's nothing but to be able to the end of 10 year we own one 3,000 square foot building now and um, so that's where we're going and I'm really excited about city transformation incredible Jen thank you so much for sharing about your life and your business and your dreams like the city transformation is so cool I love to keep tabs on that journey and see how it, it goes and so for those of you out there listening, please take some notes from whether it's team building or how to build relationships or how to tell these stories or even the vision she has for the city. Guys, write something down, share something you notes, they hold you accountable because freedom is acquired one action at a time. And if you take steps day by day before you know it, you too will be living a life of freedom. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll catch you on the next episode. Please like, comment, share, and subscribe. Engagement is like gold to us. We can't do what we're doing without it. Reviews and subscriptions, particularly on Apple, Spotify, and YouTube, are worth more than money. So please do what you can to support the show. 